welcome to BA Brew. I'm Lisa. I'm Nick. I'm Paul. And I'm Jonathan. Uh, so today we've got uh, Paul and Nicola with us to talk all about neurodiversity, uh, and in particular in relation to the BA role, which is just a, a fascinating topic. Um, so guys, you, you spoke about this at the BA conference back in September. What was your, um, what was your inspiration for the, for the talk? Do you oh, yeah. this I mean, one or do you want me to? Yeah, so we were at the uh, at the year before conference, um, and we, to be fair, we wanted we wanted to, to do a talk around neurodiversity. It's something we'd been you know, spent the last previous year on, um, and it's been quite impactful in our own lives. Um, for those who attended the conference, attended our, our talk, will very much know. Um, and we wanted to share that, but also as well. You know, try and help people who are struggling with it and have gone through a similar struggle with ourselves. Um, you mean know, to to understand that it's they're not they're not alone in it. So, um, it started off just as an idea, a bit of an inspiration, a bit of encouragement to uh, let, you know, let, let's do something about this. And then, I think it was on the train journey back. Um, we pretty much pulled together the whole idea in in the space of a half an hour of coffee and, and excitement. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was it, so. It started off as, as, as a you know, passing common bit of a. Yep, this is something we want to do, and then yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've missed anything out of that, Nick. Have I? It's. Uh, it was quite. I think we uh, we mentioned it to a couple of people at the conference, didn't we? And I think yeah. we were saying, oh, we're talking about neurodiversity, and there was a couple of people who were like, "What's what's neurodiversity? What do you mean? Like, what would you talk about?" So I think we kind of recognised there was a little bit of a gap there as well, um, and it. Uh, as Paul said, it's something that we're both quite passionate about, so we thought it was worth doing a talk about it because we recognised that um, it impacted us both quite a lot in our day-to-day lives, sort of work and personal, so we brought it into the BA community a little bit. Okay, so, so what, what do you mean by neurodiversity then? So the word neurodiversity is basically an umbrella term for the way that everybody's brain works. So everybody's brains are very different to each other, um, but underneath the neurodiversity umbrella, you have the term neurodivergent, which is your extreme scale of traits, which is your um, your conditions, your ADHD, your autism, your OCD, that kind of thing. That's where your neurodivergent will come in, whereas everybody sits underneath the neurodiversity umbrella because it's celebrating the differences in everybody. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. I've, I guess I've heard of it before and I've, I've heard of people's brains being wired differently. I mean, I suppose everyone on the planet is going to be slightly different, aren't they? But well, like I say, it'd be boring if we weren't. Of, yeah, <laughs> in the groupings of ADHD and all, all those different things as well. OK, so how, how, how does this, how's this impacted you both as, as business analysts then? I think, um, I think quite honestly, I'll put it open and speaking here, it probably fed my desire of being a BA. Um, so I very much have so i'm you know diagnosed adhd i've got um you know other traits uh but uh, i think that's one that's really fed um my passion with within uh, the world of being a business a business analyst and it's that always wanting to improve always want to look, look at new things but also as well not being able to um sit kind of still if that makes sense wanting to 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 learn more to question more to quiz more to hyper-focus into something and um, so I'm, I'm going to probably put it out there and say that it's actually helped feed my career because it's it's given me some traits which have, have really, I've really been able to utilize 
don't get me wrong, this guy's other traits that have offended me in its own right. Um, but you know, if I was to say how's it impacted me in in my career, it's it's before I even knew I had the condition. It's it's something which I was like, oh yeah, what's this cool cool new project? Let's go find everything I can possibly find out about that. And next thing I know, I'm a guru at it and asking the business questions, or always quizzing them on their processes, or always thinking problem solving. You know, and say, oh, oh, why don't we just do it this way? Can't we do it this way? Can't we challenge that norm? Um, so I, yeah, so I'll, I'll put it, yeah, put some money on that. Um, it's actually probably benefited me a little bit in in actually developing myself as a BA. I fell into the role and um, I, I felt natural at some of the things that I was doing, and I was very good support network at the start in terms of learning broader of business analysis. Um, so that allowed me just to kind of pull on those best bits. And um, I think as I move forwards now, and I'll, I'll let Nick um, step on a little bit more in a second, um, but. I think understanding more about myself now and about my condition, and um, so I understand, I've got the benefits, but also as well how the challenges that I face on the day to day. I can understand those a bit more now, and why I do other things, or why, if I'm on a really long project, I may start to feel a little bit more of a struggle or stuff like this because I'm, I'm losing that hyper focus, I'm losing that drive. It's no, it's not a new thing anymore. I've got no, no more dopamine in it, so. How do I motivate myself and keep myself going? Um, so I think it, it's it's helped me, but at the same time as well, I've uh, it, it has had its challenges. And I think now I'm at a point where I can understand why those challenges exist, uh, and, and the fact that they led from, you mean, from my condition. I don't know how do you, how would how would you say it's affected you, Nick? I think it's quite a question. I think. In terms of kind of the BA role, our role is to question everything and to try and think a little bit more outside of the box, which kind of, I am ADHD and undiagnosed autistic. Um, so it means that I see the world quite differently from a lot of other people. So I found that coming into the BA role, I was already questioning why people were doing things like this. Why? Well, why are you doing that? Way? As, as we know with BAs, we do that quite a lot. Um, I think my BA journey, though, I was very heavily masked when I first came into the role. I came in as an apprentice, um, and I was kind of under the impression that you're not allowed to question anything. Things are the way they are, deal with it. And it took a number of months and a couple of mentors to be like you're asking the right questions why aren't why are you asking me ask your stakeholders ask you're on a project you're they they want you for a reason go go for it um so i think it was quite a journey to one mask and to start asking those questions um but again it's kind of understanding your strengths and weaknesses so even if um you don't have a condition you play to your strengths so if somebody's really really good at, un at reading body language or understanding mood shifts which could that for me is um they're my autistic traits i'm very very good at reading your room sometimes good sometimes bad um it can be a good thing it can be a bad thing but um i'm very very good at reading a room very very good at reading mood shifts um but you don't necessarily have to have a condition to be good at that if that makes sense um, but for me personally, that's kind of in, helped me in my career, if that makes sense. Thinking about hyper-focus, 
Um, I, I remember your proposal for the presentation and then the various iterations of the presentation. And one of the things that, um, if you remember that we did in the lead up to the conference was a number of practice sessions with myself and um, Faye as your, as your track leads. But as a set of pair of speakers, I think you wanted more practice sessions than any other set of speakers. And the other thing I was thinking about with regard to the hyper-focus and reading the room was the karaoke at the BA party. I seem to remember quite a lot of hyper-focus during Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think was, it was, it was on stage with us, was it Sam Merrick? Um, it was, yeah. Well, yeah, and then, um, yeah, the, the reading the room and the audience as, as the various songs were coming out, um, Nick as well. Yeah, I think I got everyone to do the cha-cha slide. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you, Nick. <laughs> Brilliant. I think it's, it's interesting because we're, we're in the world of change. So, um, you know, as Nick touched on there, you know, we're always we're having to adapt anyway because we see things all um think you know how how we live our lives is different um to what could be deemed as neurotypical or the or more typical we may have to do things in certain different ways um and in the world of change you're always looking at new ways of working on new things you're always adapting and, and, and changing the world so we're, we're almost uh kind of conditioned to that kind of change environment it's natural for us to to be in a world of change um and it's funny you mentioned about about the uh, the the after party, and um, I think we had was it four Pepsi's was it Nick? Yeah. Not a drop of alcohol to support that. Just like a little bit of a Yeah, we were just we your just... own master ADHD, were we? Absolutely. It has a is a yeah. Just, just become a little bouncing ball of of, of, of excitement. Well, at least with hyperactivity, we do anyway. <laughs> Sarah, when we talk about hyperactivity, I'm feeling a bit jealous. Actually, I love a bit of a energy boost sometimes <laughs> upon that writing requirements. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's it's like I say, it's got your pros and cons. Um, the hyper focus is probably you know, I mean, neurodiverse conditions they don't have per se superpowers, but they do have um they have, do have traits and if you utilize the traits into your advantages, it can possibly seem as that. So a lot of the work that we you know, you don't 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 tell us off for this, but a lot of the work that we did was probably last deemed as last minute. Um because that's where we got our energy from. You know, it's a, that urgency trigger, next thing that needs to be done, let's go away and do it. So um and I'm not shy about it. if you give me a requirements documentation to go popular and go finish out, I'm not going to do it the three, four weeks building up to it. I'm probably going to do it. And apologies for all the bosses I've ever worked under who's going to listen to this. I did it last minute because that's where <laughs> my energy comes from, the urgency trigger, and but the quality of work comes out at the same time. Um, and it's, it's don't get me wrong, I do the, the pre-fall up front. You mean, I'm not going to, it's not that I'm not thinking about it. It's not that I'm not preparing it. But the actual doing part of it, which is where that dopamine isn't particularly there. I mean, no, one's, no one enjoys sitting in front of a document and typing it out. Um, but then in comes the agency trigger and that then suddenly becomes a task that's relatively easy to do for me because it's had that trigger to do that. 
Um, so it's, it's about utilizing your advantages and, and playing to your strengths mm -hmm. and knowing your weaknesses, preparing for them. Like I say, I'll do the up, you know, upfront uh, thoughts. If I'm ever doing a, a presentation, I'll always pre-think what the slide's going to look like weeks in advance. But the doing happens when the urgency trigger comes, and that's when mm -hmm. coffee and late nights um, help. Pepsi. Pepsi. And Pepsi, Pepsi, yes. Pepsi. All kinds of monster, yeah. Not Other carbonated drinks are available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mind me jumping in there as well, Jonathan. That's why we um, asked for so many calls in um, mm. probably because we're aware that myself and Paul, our one of our weaknesses is that we do work to deadlines. Yeah. So if you set us a two month deadline, we're going to um, do most of that work in the um, time frame before. Um, I'm not going to tell you how much before it was, but if you take kind of, I think we had a, about a monthly one, didn't we? It was a, yeah. okay, we've got a month to do this. We were thinking about it, of course, and talking about it, but the actual doing of it came sort of mm -hmm. in a couple of days beforehand, um, rather than the, the two month, three month wait, yeah. and then all of a sudden we're completely overwhelmed because we've talked about all of this and we need to do it kind of thing. Yeah. Is it is it worth you sharing some of your survival guide tips um, that came out in the presentation yeah. um, if you're able to? Of course, it wouldn't be a survival guide if we can't share it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, the first one. So uh, we've talked a lot about strengths. Uh, we've talked a lot about weaknesses. We've talked a lot about the trace of ADHD. It's the easiest one for us to talk about because we're. Uh, you know, it's, it's, just, it's the strongest one in our lives, um, but there are a lot of misconceptions that come with with ADHD alone, uh, with neurodiverse con and, neuro and neurodivergent conditions. Um, and I think the first and probably the, the, the biggest survival guide tip for me is we need to remove those misconceptions so we can all be a bit inclusive. Um, mm -hmm. It's it, you hear it in the news, you hear it through peers, you hear it through everything. People being uh, fired or not being given opportunities or being assumed, you know, assumptions where again, we're in the BA world, you know, we make assumptions all the time. People make assumptions about neurodiverse conditions. And one thing by doing this talk is a lot of people have gone, I never knew that. I didn't know that. Or I don't know what it is. Mm. Or, oh, wow. Or even does having a diagnosis help? Now that's that, mm. that one I didn't expect, mm. but you mean, it's surprising. Yeah. Yes, it does. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you need to, it's, remove, it's about removing those misconceptions so we can all be inclusive of each other. Um, I think that's the, the best one that, that, that for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. I'm going to, oh, sorry, Lisa. No, no, it's okay. No, I was, I was just going to say, I, I seem to remember you saying about you wanted to change the narrative around it. And actually, I suppose that's the first thing to do, isn't it? Getting rid of those misconceptions or at least mm -hmm. sort of calling them out as, as such. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's tricky, isn't it? It's it's a it's a difficult thing to deal with. But like you say, you've you've you're playing to your strengths just like anyone would. You know, from from mm -hmm. somebody who you know has I've not got ADHD. I've not got that level of energy. Um, I'm, I'm more of a planner. So actually, it's, it's fascinating for me to hear you say, "Oh, I leave everything to the last minute," because that sounds like my idea of a nightmare. In all honesty, but it just shows, doesn't it? But if we can, you know, on, on the same, you don't have all the same people on the same team, do you? It won't work. You, you want a diverse, mm -hmm. you want yeah. different people yeah. with different ways of working. That's how, you know, that's how it's, um, that's how you get success really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think just, just want to tap on, on something you said before I pass over to you, Nick. Sorry. So you mentioned about ADHD and hyperactivity. There's 
not everybody shares that, those, those traits. So there's even the misconceptions there and what you said, but you know, about hyperactivity can be linked to ADHD, but not everybody shares that um, and that everybody mm-hmm. has different traits. So it's it's, just, it's being mindful, like I say, it's being um, open to understanding individuals, you know, Try not to label everyone with that same brush, um, and mm. and and be open to be inclusive of what what is their condition, what is their treatment, mm. whether they're diagnosed, undiagnosed, what are their struggles, what are their weaknesses. Sorry, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Yeah. Nick. No, I was gonna so, I was gonna mention something along the same vein. So sorry, Lisa, I talked over you again. No, no, that's all I was. I was just saying I I, I totally agree with that because I've I've got um, ADHD in the family, and you're right. You've challenged me there because I've, I've got um one idea of what it looks like and actually that's a really fair point because I've I've got some experience of it and I suppose without meaning to you do kind of think that everybody with ADHD is the same and you're absolutely right to call me out I think that's yeah everyone's different aren't they which is sort of the purpose of what we're saying isn't it yeah 100% and for me personally with with ADHD I will absolutely if somebody gives me energy I will give it back 100% I'm very very good at reflecting energy but if somebody doesn't give me that energy or sort of day to day, most of my hyperactivity is actually in my brain. So when I got diagnosed with ADHD, she was like, you are very hyperactive. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I am. Um, I like to play sports and I know that that kind of helps, but most of my hyperactivity is actually in my brain and my thoughts. And that's where I kind of get my anxiety spirals from and why I'm constantly thinking about what I need to do rather than actually doing it. I'm always thinking about what I need to do, what needs doing around the house, for example um i'm constantly thinking about different i put myself in bizarre scenarios in my brain because that's my brain trying to chase dopamine and it's very hyperactive mm. but it's not necessarily i'm quite happy just to sit down in front of the tv all day <laughs> so it it does exactly as you've said very person to person and i think that kind of linked into one of my favorite survival guide tips which was playing as part of a team. So making sure that within your team, even if you aren't neurodivergent, play understanding what everybody's strengths are, what everybody's weaknesses are. So if you do have someone in your team who is neurodivergent, understanding that, yes, they might have some of those superpowers. Yes, they might be able to hyper-focus all night, but it means that they're going to be knackered the next day. Um, And making Mm -hmm. sure that we're understanding and appreciating that, making sure that if somebody is in a room and you've got a really, really bright light, they might not focus on you as much because they're thinking, oh my God, that light, that's such a bright light. Oh, there's a noise outside that's going off. Um, so understanding that there are kind of a lot of weaknesses that come along with those strengths and playing to it as part of a team. Hmm. I think it's exceptionally brave um, doing the talk and then obviously being on this podcast recording now, and one of the things that I think by us talking about neurodiversity is that it becomes part of everyday language for everyone. And one of the challenges that I think exists is that we're not always as good at sharing these types of things with each other. And there'll be individuals sat listening, watching, thinking, well, I can't share that with my team. So I can't share my preferences because they, they either feel uncomfortable talking about this or they're in a culture and environment where it's not accepted to talk about neurodiversity. Are there any tips that we could give in terms of how do we help to create those cultures where we can talk about neurodiversity a little bit more openly so we can work with each other and understand each other a bit better than if we're pretending that 
it's not there or we're masking or it's just not part of the dialogue. I think, um, I think part of the trouble is, is a lot of it's, is it's very internal as well. So everyone, wears, well, not everyone wears the mask. Everyone's got a work mask. So everyone's different at work. Uh, and, you know, compared to how they are at home, most people try to be the authentic self, but there's always a version of yourself, the work version. Um, I think with neurodiverse conditions or new, new neurodivergent um, conditions, uh, there's still, there's, a, there's an element of mask with that as well. And um, it's very hard to let people see what's actually underneath that mask. Um, mm. And that's part of the problem with it. Because again, with all the misconceptions with the, um, you mean, unfortunately, the, the UK is not too great at knowledge in terms of, you mean, putting it out there in terms of training, in terms of enlightening people. Um, so that I think talking about it is the first step and, you know, hopefully what we're doing is helping people. Hopefully it's encouraging people to talk about it more, but um, it's very hard to release some of the kind of what's actually happening underneath that mask and um, mm. because of you know, some of these challenges that people face. Um, I've been myself part of, I've, you know, I've had very much, you know, some of the, some severe difficulties with, with my conditions and, you know, understanding myself. And uh, I kept it very much to myself for a long time. Um, mm until I finally started talking about it. So I think it's, it, it's the hardest step to do. And um, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this note, but for me, I think finding somebody who, or finding a safe place to talk about it, whether that's a manager who understands, accepts, um, or whether that's with a colleague and starting to talk about it helps um, kind of you step out from that mask a little bit. Um, one of our survivor guys, stepping on survivor guys a little bit is um, there's a lot more that goes off underneath that surface. So if, if people are starting to be a bit more accepting, a bit more aware and, and open to people's uh, troubles and what's happening underneath and create an environment where they're comfortable enough to start to talk about it, mm-hmm. then that's the first step. Um, and mm-hmm. that opens the doorway to a lot. You know, it's not an easy road, don't get me wrong. There's still anxieties that sit behind it. You mean even on the presentation, both of us were, were very concerned. We we're like, oh God, what, what, what's it going to be like? How are we going to be, you know, going to be received? But I think taking that first step, finding a comfort place to take that first step, first off, it's mm. a breath of fresh air to be able to talk about it, but it's finding that right person as well and, and taking it slowly. Don't, mm. don't info dump straight away. I think we yeah, are taking mm. that first step. So it's the, it's the hardest, but mm. it's the, it's the best step to take. Uh, what do you mm. think, Nick? That was exactly what I was going to say. So I'm going to try to say something different. Um, But yeah, I think the first thing I did was find a safe person to talk about it. And to, for me, my journey was a lot of exploring before I got diagnosed. Um, I had a friend who got diagnosed and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. What makes you think that you've got ADHD? And she kind of gave me a big list and I went, but they're all completely normal. And she went, they're not. Um, so That's I think really a lot of it, really interesting. Um, so a lot of it is kind of having that safe person and that safe place to explore the way that your brain works. So for me, um, my manager at the minute is absolutely fantastic. Um, and I, if I'm struggling, I will turn around and say, I'm struggling a little bit today. I know that my brain works towards deadlines. Are you okay if I put a call in with you this afternoon for half an hour just to keep me accountable and he's like absolutely fine go for it and so i suppose from that it's kind of understanding what your needs are and what you Mm. need 
um, you can access your workplace reasonable adjustments to see if um, there's anything there that could help. Um, or you can kind of research online what you what reasonable adjustments for the workplace are so that you can help yourself but kind of mm -hmm. in and out the workplace I would say looking and researching into what the neurodivergent conditions are what the um, what the strengths and weaknesses are and what can help so maybe um not sure I can't think of anything off the top of my head but if it's having moving yeah it's, um, yeah, if it's moving about, if it's making sure you have a safe place when you're overstimulated in the office, or um, yeah, it's the things there around self-awareness that really resonated with me, Nick, Nick. In terms of being aware of yourself and what your own needs and wants are, yeah. and what works for you and doesn't work for you, and, and exploring it sounds really yeah. useful yeah. for anyone that's listening or watching. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think one of the big things for me when I um when I kind of started exploring what my brain was doing, one of the things I found was I was getting really overstimulated, and I used to get really bad migraines, and I had no idea where they came from, how they started. They started sort of in my late teens, and it's because I was getting overstimulated. If there was too many bright lights, too many loud mm. noises going Ooh. off, too, many, uh, too much pressure, um, I was mm. getting incredibly overstimulated, and that gave me a migraine um so yeah it's kind of that exactly you said that self-reflection that self-awareness mm -hmm. sorry paul you were going to say something yeah no i was just going to tap in because you know, it's that self-aware voice as well it's being aware of conditions i mean there's there's obviously going to be people who are going to be listening and who won't have conditions themselves or maybe you may not be diagnosed themselves um there's no harm in in doing your own research as well on and understanding what traits mm. can be you know, can exist out there and and what affects things not because all you're doing is you're enlightening and and, and gaining an understanding into a different world um mm. and that alone will create a more comfortable environment where people can talk about mm. because you've got that level of understanding if you're seeing somebody who does looking uncomfortable absolutely don't make an assumption that they're diagnosed or that they've got a condition but because you know like like we like we said in our talk game people can have these traits without having the condition the condition comes mm. with an extreme of traits and um, so you may be 30 percent there not enough to be diagnosed but that doesn't mean you don't have those struggles so um mm. understanding what these conditions bring understanding what these traits bring and what effects things can have and that alone will create you know in that in a comfortable environment and you'll you'll create ease with yourself but also as well if you know if one of your colleagues is struggling with it with a uh, with a condition it'll create an, an, enough of an environment that they may then feel comfortable like say to open up or to to be mm. more they're a more authentic self create it makes it easier for them as well yeah yeah uh, okay yeah so 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 in your talk one thing that that really brought it to life for me um was squirrely so your beautiful story about a squirrel who was different um, I'm not even going to attempt to have a go at trying to explain that but maybe one, one of you two can just for the audience yeah, I'm happy to. I'm happy to read that. So, Squirrelly, uh, do you want me to read it, or do you want me? To, I'll, I'll explain it first. Um, so, Squirrelly was we have an idea, and we've we, we both kind of see our, ourselves as, as as squirrels in in kind of reality in human form. Because if you look at squirrel, it's chaos. It's you mean know, running around. It's up and down trees. It's you know, absolute <laughs> nuts and bonkers. Look at, and I just looked in the mirror and went, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's me." Um, but also as well, um, it kind of gives 
it puts a story to, to, to the life that can be experienced with neurodiverse conditions and that feeling of being different and um and and uh, being a bit question of, of why why am i treated this way or, or potentially why i'm why do they may see me differently um so yeah so it started off as an idea and something cute and then became a little a little poem and yeah next thing you know we have squirrely the little red squirrel who's um struggling to understand understand why greys seem differently i mean yeah, i can read it if you want me to i think we're gonna read it now paul we got time. it's not very long awesome so this is squirrel little red squirrel so there once was a little red squirrel who sat in a tree little did he know there could be a difference between you and me all day long he would question why do they look at me that way for this little red squirrel didn't realize he's not gray. The little red squirrel said, let's look for some nuts, come with me. But the greys just looked on and did not step from the tree. So off in the field he went and gathered away, wondering why the other squirrels didn't come out to play. When turned up another with red fur, he couldn't comprehend. Well, little did he know that this squirrel was a friend. While gathering and playing, they discussed the ways that our little red squirrel was different from greys. He runs and jumps and swings and plays while the other grey squirrels didn't understand Red's strays. As night came along, I'm just like you, said Little Red. Instead of going home, why don't you stay here instead? Life's better together, they agreed with a nod of the head. So up into the tree they climbed and curled up in bed. Alone, life's challenges filled Little Red with dread. With each other, ready to take on any troubles ahead. The end. Wow, poetry first. I don't think we've had yeah, poetry no. <laughs> ever. It's amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. No, it, it's it's true. It, it's I like the bit about having a friend who was the same because that really sort of resonates with your point from earlier, doesn't it? Finding someone a safe a safe person to talk to, um, who's the same. So. Uh, it's fine no no worries your internet's internet's no, jumping about no you're absolutely right and it doesn't have to be uh, a friend with you know the same condition or a different condition it can be just a friend who's you know who's understanding um you know we're like you know the only way we're going to get through this is together um we need mm. to create an inclusive environment um mm. and everybody has their own struggles everybody has their own uh, differences so we need to champion everyone's strengths and weaknesses um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something that's definitely helped me having, uh, close, uh, friends, uh, allies, you know, um, or colleagues at work to, you know, to, to help me through the bad days, but also as well to celebrate the good days as well and, and to help them. No, absolutely. Well, that, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you all for watching as well. A fantastic topic. And thank you so much for, you know, for, for bringing it to, to the BA community. I think it's, it's something that can only help help people um, with, with such conditions um, thank you so much so please do uh, like share and subscribe uh, to our channel and we'll see you again in the next brew thank you